You're listening to the Really Useful Podcast. This is the tech podcast for technophobes like you from makeuseof.com. My name is Christian Corley and joining me this week is Gavin Phillips. How are you doing, Gavin? I'm doing very well, Christian. Yeah, very well indeed. How about yourself, mate? Yeah, not bad. Uh, tinkering with a uh, laptop SSD drive first thing in the morning is um, good for anyone's soul, I think. Absolutely. Gets you up to speed for the week, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Focuses the mind when you realise, yeah. <laughs> if I don't do this, I'm not earning any money. Uh, <laughs> So uh, we have got a collection of news, tips and tricks and recommendations for you this week. Our uh, news is of the um, stuff that you need to know about rather than uh, who's the latest SEO of Microsoft, SEO? CEO even of Microsoft. <laughs> oh, that says that speaks so many volumes. What that <laughs> little Freudian slip there. Uh, tech news that matters, tips and tricks to help you make better use of your technology and then... It gets better because then we tell you something. Oh, it's subjective because it could get worse. When uh, Gavin and I discuss something that we've recently experienced technologically wise and recommend it. Or I suppose we might do the opposite of recommending. Uh, that has happened before and it may happen again. But before that, TikTok has denied claims that it suffered a massive data breach. Now, this is a very interesting story because there was speculation that it had someone went on the interwebs and claimed that they had, but it turns out that it didn't actually happen. It's, which... uh, it's wild, actually, really, isn't it? Because the the person in question, who uh, they had a username of uh, Against the West on a well-known uh, hacking forum, basically, where people you know hack and they go and dump the, the files or the information they've hacked and they attempt to either give them or sell them to other people and they popped up and said uh hello i have amassed 790 gigabytes uh gigabytes gigabytes that, that's of, you're thinking uh, of phishing there yeah yeah <laughs> of uh of user information which amounted to over two billion individual records so of course when this information went live it was headline grabbing news Except for the fact that quite quickly TikTok came back and said, we've got nothing to do with this uh, and we're going to completely deny it. Which yeah, is very interesting. It is. It's a it's a it is a crazy one. Now, the person responsible has been banned from the forum uh, where they posted it. Um, and I mean, they, they accused the same uh, a hack of WeChat, which is a Chinese um, social media chatting service as well it is a strange story i think it also i mean there's a boy who cried wolf uh, aspect to this as well it's it's concerning that someone should be able to make a claim such as that with apparent screenshots whether they i mean it's difficult to say whether they were presented out of context or not. TikTok have told Forbes that TikTok prioritizes the privacy and security of our users' data. Our security team investigated these claims and found no evidence of a security breach. I mean, yeah, okay, fine. It's a good response. However, we are talking about TikTok, which is a kind of 
playground for social engineers with a black hat, isn't it, really? So it, uh, if all that data was hacked, um, an awful lot of it could be claimed in other ways anyway, couldn't it? Yeah, for sure. Uh, and as you sort of alluded to there, the uh, the owner of uh, TikTok, a company called uh, ByteDance, um, who uh, the, the listener may or may not be aware of how often their name has come up uh, in terms of other security issues and privacy issues all stemming from TikTok and the amount of data they collect on their users, uh, how they use it. And uh, because ByteDance are uh, a Chinese firm, there's you know other considerations to their links to yeah. the Chinese government, which is why the company has fin- uh, been, been talked about in all sorts of different US hearings um, regarding those concerns. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's difficult to... I, I, in many other cases, would say take this with a pinch of salt. And it... It seems that this leak did not happen, but you need to be aware that TikTok is not the place to upload anything or even to use (laughs) Um, if you value your privacy and security, basically. Uh, We'll move on. Apple has launched the iPhone 14, and Google reminds everyone that the Pixel 7 is coming soon. It will launch on October the 6th, and unlike the iPhone 14, features an all-new chip, which is called... I forgot what it's called. It's the Google Tensor 2. G2, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Um, which is interesting because we've obviously just had the Apple iPhone 14 launch, um, and they revealed at at the Apple launch that they're going to use the same chip as the previous generation of iphone and now yeah. while that's not it's not a huge issue uh it's something that if you go on the tech websites people will say oh this is a crying shame and you know we want upgrades with every generation but it just doesn't work like that and in in all fairness most people aren't really going to see a huge difference from chip to chip however that said <laughs> the google tensor g2 chip does look like it can bring on um like a, a bit of a leap and bound for the for the google pixel line it's more powerful uh way better on energy consumption and those sort of two things combined are really what you want in yeah. a smartphone aren't they definitely definitely you don't have to be recharging it all the time i mean the um the oppo reno 8 5g um which i uh, reviewed on make use of a few months ago I typically recharge it every other day. And it's a super phone with a beautiful yeah. camera. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's where we, we need to be getting to the point where we're not recharging phones every night, don't we? Yeah, definitely. I think it feels like pretty par for the course, though, doesn't it? Like, I have a OnePlus Nord, which is now a few years old, and that, it'd go all day, but it needs charging every night. And then I also had the Nothing Phone 1, uh, which I haven't used as much as I should have, but that goes for around 48 hours with yeah. minimal use, which is good. So. Yeah, it's it's nice when you don't have to do that. You don't have to do the plugging in thing. I mean, you might be flash and have a contactless uh, charging setup where you can just put your phone down, but I find they don't tend to work as well as they claim to. But, uh, yeah, so uh, the Pixel 6 was Google's best-selling phone ever, and it's hoping that the Pixel 7 and 7 Pro can build upon that success. Also spotted 
at uh, Google's code conference was Sundar Pichai wearing the Pixel Watch, which uh, I'd um, I didn't realise was going to be real. I thought it was just a you know just a prototype thing, but it's really going to happen. And it's powered by Wear OS and is built around things like Google Assistant and Fitbit for health and fitness tracking. And uh, we don't know when that's going to come along, though. I yeah. I was just uh, digging through my drawers the other day and I found my old smartwatch. I haven't bought a smartwatch since I had a Sony smartwatch 2. And I was disappointed with it, although it looked awesome and it felt like a watch, which is the, the first watch I'd had in years. Um, the, it missed key things. It was it was the, the, that type of smartwatch that mirrored the phone that it was synced with rather mm-hmm. than being sort, sort of uh, autonomous as you can expect a smartwatch to be. So, for instance, it didn't have a step counter in it. It was relying on my phone, which uh-huh. has certain drawbacks, such as what if you leave your phone behind? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, I'm, 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 do, do, are you using a smartwatch? No, similarly, uh, actually, as we were just talking about with battery life and daily charging, the one smartwatch that I did have, uh, it was a fossil watch of a certain generation from 2019, but the battery on it was not nearly good enough to last. I think maybe it got 48 hours tops, and that was with minimal use of the various gadgets and widgets that you would actually want to use your smartwatch for. So um, I've not really used one. I think things like the Apple Watch, though, do have much better overall battery life. Yeah. Um, so it would be really interesting to see what Google can do with the with the Pixel Watch because, I mean, even more so than a mobile phone, I guess, like battery life on a smartwatch is... It's imperative, otherwise it's just a piece of metal strapped to your wrist that doesn't even show the time. So it's, it's a bracelet. <laughs> yeah, it's a bracelet, yeah. yeah. Very expensive one as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, a new version of Raspberry Pi OS has arrived. Now, this happens every year or so, sometimes more often than that, and it typically brings a few small p- uh, tweaks and uh, other feature enhancements. But the big uh, sort of issue with the Raspberry Pi, or the big news with the Raspberry Pi, and Raspberry Pi OS isn't so much the OS or the uh, enhancements to uh, the the operating system. It's the fact that it's really difficult to get hold of a Raspberry Pi at the moment. It's still um, it's ongoing from sort of the the COVID nineteen setbacks around the world, isn't it? So it's yeah. sort of as, as as the world was forced into being at home more and more, more people will oh we'll buy Raspberry Pis, and then the pressures upon the entire network chain, the supply supply chain, sorry. It just hasn't really recovered, has it? It's a strange one. No, it hasn't. And I think various demands on the Raspberry Pi have probably, beg your pardon, specific models of Raspberry Pi probably have exacerbated this slightly as well. For instance, it's possible with some models of Raspberry Pi and Raspberry Pi compute modules they can be used to uh, run with Amiga computers as accelerators. There's various <laughs> other things. Raspberry Pi, I mean, the Raspberry Pi, standard Raspberry Pis, and again, compute models modules are excellent for um, prototyping Internet of Things projects. Yeah. You've also got the whole um, work from home thing that was promoted during the, uh, the COVID years, as we may call them. And Raspberry Pis, or the Raspberry Pi 4 in particular, the 4 gigabyte and 8 gigabyte models, 
they will make desktop replacements. They'll also uh, they can also run as um, thin clients as well. Yeah, yeah. So you've got these whole new demands for the Raspberry Pi that weren't there before. That's keeping it popular. But it's also because of the supply chain issues pushing the price up. Yeah, absolutely. Would you like to hear some some prices of recently sold Raspberry Pi fours on eBay as I have them on my screen? Go on then. So a Raspberry Pi Model 4, 4 gigabyte RAM, recently sold on the 12th of September, which is today, in fact, uh, as we are recording, for £100. <gasps> now that one, I mean, that must have been £40 when it was released. I think 40 or 50 quid. Yeah. So I'll do you an 8 gig one as well. So a oh, UK Raspberry Pi 4, Model B, 8 gigabytes, £125 Whoa. sold today. And those ones That's retail. double the price. Yeah, I think they're 60, 75 quid, aren't they? Uh, there's another one that sold for 135, 130, uh, 140. So they are going second hand. Yeah. Although I think most of those were brand new, to be fair. So there's people that have bought them, maybe forgotten about them. I mean, the cynic in me says it's people being awful and uh, buying them to resell for twice the price because that is what happens. But. Um, well, they might be like me and just have too many Raspberry Pis. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It does happen. <laughs> it does happen. What I would say is that you can get them cheaper. Uh, we have a guide on Make Use Of, which I'll include in the show notes, along with everything else that we discuss in this week's show, that will show you where you can get Raspberry Pis for sensible prices, or certainly more sensible than eBay. Yeah, and if you do want to get one, because they really are good fun. I haven't got a uh, one of the latest models, but I've got several of the uh, the previous generation, and we use them for all sorts of things. Uh, and they can be really quickly reconfigured into something else as well. So, if you can get one, uh, yeah, may maybe do. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Everyone should have one, at least one. Yeah, I'm not willing to share. Uh, okay, we'll move <laughs> on. Uh <laughs> Yeah, so as, as I mentioned, everything we've discussed in the news you'll find in the show notes. And the same goes for the next section. It's tips and tricks time where we bring you uh, tips and tricks to help you make better use of the gear that you're using, whether it be PC, the television in your living room, your games console, your mobile device, whatever. We're going to kick off with this, how to check the health of your Windows 10, 11 PC or laptop. Uh, there are various tools built into Windows that you can use for this. I um, no longer use Windows, so I feel as though I may have to hand this over to Gavin to go through. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, for sure. So the, the interesting thing is the PC Health Check app released by uh, Microsoft. It's not actually that much about PC Health, is it? The PC Health check, uh, despite its name, is actually to see if your uh, system was ready to upgrade to Windows 11. That yeah. was the largest part of it. Now, the app itself gives you an overview of what's going on in your computer. It will show you your last uh, Windows update time, your storage capacity, uh, any other quirks going on with your system but in terms of getting down into the nuts and bolts of actual system health like how healthy is uh, how healthy is your hard drive for instance or your your solid state drive it doesn't necessarily deliver much uh, in that area 
there are other things as well that you should also check when it comes to PC health. And of course, the big one is security. We're constantly bombarded with security threats. We've already talked about a potential data breach in this show. And, you know, it comes from all areas these days. Uh, and the Windows security PC health check is actually one that is worth doing. So you, on your Windows machine, uh, in the bottom corner, you can open the, use the little up arrow, you click that, and you will see the Shield logo, which is the Windows security logo and clicking on that opens up the windows security portal where uh, once open you can see your device performance and health uh, and what you're looking for here is the health report and that again shows you shows you your storage capacity apps and software and other things but it also shows you those things um, in relation to security if there are any underlying security issues on your machine. Uh, if there are, you can click them, run through the results or the troubleshooter on your screen and it should help you resolve any issues that you have. Now, the final one to talk about is the Windows Performance Monitor, which I don't really use this one very much, but it does have uh, quite a decent range of information inside it. Uh, you'll be able to find things on system diagnostics, system performance. Uh, it shows you sort of reports from your computer where there's been errors, uh, faults and what have you. So if you are experiencing um, a specific error or you encounter you know, the dreaded blue screen of death when Microsoft or Windows crashes and you end up on, on the big blue screen, you will uh, often end up in the performance monitor trying to find uh, a system report about, about what's happened. Uh, and in that, it can be a really, really useful tool for getting more into the nuts and bolts of your computer when you encounter specific issues of that nature. Yeah. Um, so... Overall, uh, I mean, Microsoft does have quite a lot of different tools uh, at its hand. There's also uh, one that you can do to check your battery health that does a sleep study. Uh, there is another option to check your wireless network health yeah, yeah. with a network report. Uh, and that's actually another tool I've, I've not not really used. But uh, once you run it, it shows you, you know, the overall health of your wireless network, uh, which includes the reason why your system keeps disconnecting which if you are having a, a wi-fi problem where you just can't connect to the wi-fi that can be a really really useful tool so if you don't use you don't use windows very much at all christian so um you don't run into any of these really annoying windows errors anymore <laughs> no i don't no i mean i've encountered a few errors of my own um this morning as we were discussing before the podcast um before we start recording there's a little thing that i ran into when i've um, tried to clone a disc and i've run into a, a grub thing on linux which is because it can't find the grub bootloader uh, but i'm pretty sure there's a way around that it's just it's going to be a bit of a tricky slightly messy uh, taking things apart. Actually, I'm the the laptop I'm recording this on. I actually haven't screwed it back together. The <laughs> screws are on the table in front of me still because I'm expecting to take it apart again. And while I had it in in pieces, it's nothing to do with that at all. I mean, it's slightly, I suppose, because it's an HP Envy. It was bought with Windows uh, 10 on it. It's just got a beautiful 17-inch display. It also has a Bang & Olufsen logo on it, although, to be honest with you, you wouldn't know it had Bang & Olufsen speakers in it. But 
And this is the interesting thing. When I opened it up, I discovered that it has a slot for an M2 drive. Oh, nice. Yeah. Super, super fast. Totally. And it's make, got me thinking. So I headed to the uh, cupboard behind me, dug out my spare M2 drive, and guess what? Wrong key. So uh, <laughs> not able to use that because it's an incompatible uh, component. Now, I could... Now, if I'd known that beforehand, I wouldn't have spent money on a uh, one terabyte SSD. I'd have spent money on a one terabyte uh, M2 module. But uh, I don't know what I'm going to do, whether I'm going to uh, continue with the cloning or not. We'll see. We'll see. We'll move on. I've mentioned a couple of times recently that I've been uh, looking at a dash cam, and the review of that is ready to uh, get published shortly. Hopefully this week. You never know. I'm not entirely... a enamored with the device a spoiler hashtag um <laughs> but dash dash cams are important and you know it may be the case that by the time you hear this podcast the uh, dash cam review has been published and you'll find out exactly what i don't like about it but there are reasons to have a dash cam that i want to go into i want to list them for you okay so number one you will have first-hand evidence of an accident if you're using a dash cam and that can be really useful not least in uh, providing evidence to prosecute dangerous drivers Number two, they help to manage reckless drivers as well because if they spot a dash cam in your car, they're going to ease off the driving. If they're borrowing your car and they see there's a dash cam, they're going to drive better. A dash cam can also help you evade wrongfully issued tickets. Uh, or these, these are speeding tickets that you will uh, collect from uh, driving at the wrong speed in places. They won't stop you getting parking tickets for not knowing how to use a parking disc properly. That's a very UK problem, and I probably said too much there. Um, I'll move on. Uh, it can help thwart car breakings and vandalism because it's going to record uh, what's happening. Now, it might be that the dash cam gets stolen, but uh, some, not all, but some, uh, will stream to, uh, will, will sync with a uh, cloud account. You can replay road trips on a dash cam. It depends how good the dash cam is and... Uh, whether it's got GPS or not, that also helps for you to uh, be able to um, match it up with where you are exactly. Some uh, some third-party dash cam apps will uh, run the video and the GPS data, and they will show you in Google Maps where you are as you watch the video alongside it, which is a pretty cool way of uh, reviewing your journey. A dash cam can help make you a better driver as well. You know the dash cam is there. You can check the footage, or you can just be more attentive as you're driving. Uh, dash cams also come with extra features such as uh, lane detection as well I've recently discovered you can use uh, a dash cam to capture unexpected events whether car accidents um, meteorites hitting that was a big one a few years ago uh, crashing through the atmosphere mm. all sorts of natural events and things like that uh, plane crashes or anything basically that happens in front of, or if you've got a rear camera as well, behind the car. And uh, dash cams can also be a solution for parents concerned about their children's driving. Should you be brave enough to let your children drive at all? Never mind the uh, family car. Uh, so uh, did you use a dash cam, Gavin? I have been using uh, on and off um, a converted smartphone, actually, using an Android app. I have Ooh. a dedicated dash cam, but I have... Um, previously written for make use of actually about um, some of the best Android apps you can install on an Android device to convert it into a smartphone, um, into a, uh, a dash cam, sorry. Uh, and it works reasonably well. The only thing I would say that um, 
really distinguishes an actual dash cam versus a smartphone is probably nighttime shooting. So during the daytime, the smartphone is, is absolutely fine. At nighttime, it does struggle somewhat to capture sort of the finer detail and stuff. Like yeah. that. It's a relatively old smartphone as well. So it's not, it's got a decent camera, but it's not the best. So you definitely lose some some quality. But if you've got a more modern smartphone, I mean, you could definitely use it to 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 capture all the stuff that's going on in your car, can't you? Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. I um, I do find. I mean, this this uh, dash cam that I've been talking about is a good example of this. It has a rear camera, so you know, for the purposes of the review, I installed the rear camera. But if, you know, the mileage varies hugely on rear cameras in dash for dash cam setups because, you know, in a small hatchback, it might be considered easier. But then again, I'm not convinced it would be easier. I have an MPV. It's, you know, it's a long, 10-foot long car or so. And the previ- and, and, and it's the latest model of a car that I've had previously. The previous car, it was relatively straightforward to install the dash cam in the boot. This time round, it's basically had to follow the car's lighting cabling uh, through through the bodywork of the car through a tube. And so, yeah, there's a there's a lot of panel removing and uh, shoveling stuff around and unplugging uh, spongy cable protectors and stuff and threading it through that way. And of course, because I don't spoiler, don't like it, I'm gonna have to undo all of that. <laughs> Oh no! Yeah, the thing is, as well, you have to get in there to find out exactly how it works. Yep. Yeah. Now you've got to do it all in reverse. We move to that point of the show where we offer you a recommendation. This is uh, based upon something that we've seen or enjoyed or bought, or maybe even sometimes hated with the recommendation being avoid. Uh, who's going to go first this week, Gavin? Uh, I can go first if you like, Christian. Go on, then. I'm ready to go, mate. I'm, go for I'm it. all ready. So this week, um, I would like to recommend F1 Manager 2022, the new video oh. game launched by uh, Frontier Developments. Frontier Developments are also known for um, Planet Zoo, Jurassic World Evolution, Planet Coaster... Uh, uh, and quite a few other games as well, but the F1 Manager 2022 is their latest game. It's fully licensed by F1, so if you're into motor racing, then it's really good for that. It's got all the all the names of the drivers, teams. It's got uh, cool little snippets of radio chatter as well. When you change settings and stuff, the driver comes on over the radio and says, you know, c- confirmed or, yeah, all right, that sort of thing. Um, and... The graphics themselves are, are really, really good for for a game that's all about management. There's loads of different onboard camera shots. Uh, the racing is pretty good. There's definitely some tweaks needed um, to things like when a when a safety car comes out or if uh, if they're overtaking a back marker, things like that. So there's some things that do still need tweaking in the game. But but overall, I've I've been really impressed with with it so far. Um, there's good depth as well to the amount of development you can do to the car so you can you know put money into different areas to build better or faster components to the car and you have a budget for the season and and that sort of thing the only thing i really would like to see which isn't available in a minute is a uh, create your own 
team uh, scenario. So at the moment you take over one of the existing 10 teams and you know you, you take those on. Adding your own team to the grid and building it up from scratch, I think, is probably what most people would want a game like this before uh, this for. Um, and there's another game on the market that came out well, years ago now uh, called Motorsport Manager, uh, which allows you to do that, which is not um, not as graphically as intensive, but it's very good fun. But so if you're into your Formula One or motor racing of any type and you like a management game, uh, I think F1 Manager 2022 is a really good shout. I have questions. Yep. Number one, do you drive? No. So it is um, in the same vein as Football Manager, Championship yep. Manager. You are managing the team, the budget, finance, all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the racing, you are uh, you can give instructions for them to, say, uh, deploy more battery boost or push harder, you know, change your tyre strategy, that sort of stuff. But no, there's no actual um, physical driving. Okay, and is do you like have to sit through 60 laps? You can do. Whoa! <laughs> you can do percentage percentages of races. You know, you don't have to do the full whack. Right. Uh, but for the, I think for the best experience, it is best to do a full, a full race. Um, <laughs> but you can put it up to like four or eight times speed. I think. In fact, I think there's a sixteen times speed. You can go into like a map overview. Uh, instead of being like you know directly with a car, you can look at an overview of the whole circuit. And if, if I recall rightly, you can go up to sixteen times speed on that map, so it whizzes around jolly fast. Okay, excellent. I feel like I should check that out. I don't know if I will or not. I'm 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 torn. I'm torn. Um, my recommendation is something. I feel like I should have mentioned this already. I feel I'm not sure if I have, and if I have, I apologise. But um, House of the Dragon. Is, no, no, I don't think you've said that yet. No, I, I, I wasn't sure. I may mention it with Ben, but I can't. I just can't remember. I don't. And if I did, I don't feel like I gave it enough of a boost, enough of a big up. <laughs> it is really, really good, in a way that the last series of Game of Thrones was not. Uh, so you've got a completely fresh cast. You've got a completely, well, not completely fresh story, because um, it's in the same world, but and it's set about two hundred years before Game of Thrones events. It is really very good. I'm, I'm been astonished at exactly how good it is and the characters in there and you have some great british talent in there like matt smith and reese iffens you've got uh, paddy considine you have um millie olcock who basically plays the she's more or less the lead character she's certainly the the focus character uh, which is odd because she's actually getting replaced along with another young actress as this series moves it does a thing whereas uh, game of thrones was very serialized uh this is more chapter so it jumps forward in time each episode. Uh, so like something like uh, The Crown, for instance. Although I think that, yeah, that did do that. And then it changed cast and series, which obviously also featured Matt Smith. Um, so there are going to be uh, older characters, older versions of some of the younger characters in this show later on. But it is a really good show. And Matt Smith, um, who's you don't see him very often. Uh, he's a former Doctor Who actor as well as uh, being uh, Prince Philip in a season of The Crown. Um, he's really, really very good. He's, I, I mean, he's, um, the other podcast I did, we uh, discussed this uh, a few weeks ago, in that the fact that Matt Smith has got a very good television career, but every time he goes into movies, it turns out to be a bit of a flop or something doesn't sit right with it. 
whether it be him being completely cut from the last Star Wars movie or the um, the 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 insult to intelligence that was the last Terminator movie or even the um, the, the Mobius movie uh, that came out this year. They just don't seem to hit. But when he does a TV show, they're just fantastic. And he's really good in House of the Dragon. So there's a few characters. Reese Ifans is in there as well uh, as a key character. There's a few of them that hold the show together. But it's really worth checking out. And I think it's... I don't want to see it, say that it's kind of... Uh, you know, it's doesn't lay the ghost of Game of Thrones' last season to de- to, to, to rest, you know. it's. Uh, but at the same time, it does give you renewed faith in that whole universe being as interesting as it can be. So if anyone hasn't checked it out yet, I would recommend you watch the first two episodes and uh, go from there uh, if you want to or, or ditch it. But uh, I've, I've enjoyed it considerably. Oh, sounds good. They, uh, they filmed some of that just down the road. From my house. Uh, is it a, is it, around... Would it be a nice beach by any chance? Yeah, would. <laughs> would you believe it? <laughs> uh, all the stuff I've not I've not watched it myself, but they did a load of filming for it on uh, St Michael's Mount uh, in Mounts Bay, where they, they they cordoned it off for several days, and there are all sorts of uh, film crews and, and whatnot going on. Yeah, just uh, five five minutes from me. Is there a big sort of Nolly Hill there on the beach? Yeah, there's a. There's a castle sticking up out the sea, and um, right. on its own mount basically, and you have to cross a headland that you know floods twice a day uh, when it gets to high tide. Uh, so it's completely cut off from the mainland twice a day. I know the scenes you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that's my recommendation and the recommendation links, along with everything else we've discussed in this podcast, you will find in the show notes. That brings us to the end of this week's really useful podcast. I'm Christian Crawley. He's Gavin Phillips. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. We're also on YouTube, which I always forget about. And um, all the other places you find podcasts, you will find us there. If you want to get in touch with us, you'll find our Twitter handles in the show notes as well. And I dare say you can get in touch with us via other means, via the Make Use Of website, where our emails are available to all and sundry until next time it's goodbye from us